connect. You may be aware that, in fact, this isn't just Australia, but right across the globe. Um, in fact, I was made aware of this for someone else. I don't watch the news much. I'm not on Instagram. But someone, one of the young people said, oh, Pastor Shane, have you heard about the different revivals breaking out, you know, all over the world? And I'm like, no, I have not. <laughs> because I was like, how do you know? I was like, oh, it's all over Instagram. And right now, at the moment, you know, in Australia, we've got these different places. Um, there's moves of God happening, moves of the Spirit across the world. There's moves of revival and moves of the Spirit happening. And, and it's, it's really cool. And actually, just... Um, well, it's only a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I was at a like a twenty-four hour mini conference, if you like, um, on the Gold Coast, and there was a guy there. I'd never, I'd heard his name mentioned, but I didn't know who he was or what he did. But he's his church is currently experiencing a move of God, and he shared a bit of that story. And I was just, I was so inspired um, by the story. Just, I was able to hear him speak and, and, and all of a sudden the word revival, and we just had it in that song then, didn't we? The word revival is popular again, isn't it? You know, it sort of pops up once a decade or something. And so we sung that song, um, Lord, send revival. Did we not? We sung a song and it said, Lord, send revival. But I've got a thought for you this morning. I wonder what God hears so language means stuff, right? It's imagery. It gives us images and when we say words and stuff. But I wonder what God is thinking when we sing, Lord, send revival. What images does he have? What's going off in God's brain when, you know, Life Church in Roma is singing, Lord, send revival? What does he hear when we say that? Welcome to this morning's message. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, I just thank you for everyone in this house. I thank you that it says where two or three are gathered, you're there in the midst. And we got more than two or three this morning, Lord God, and you have been already showing us that you are here in the midst. If we, as, as, as Matt well said, you know, when we open ourselves up to your presence, when we open ourselves up to you, when we open ourselves up to you, you begin pouring into us. And you've been doing that already. You've been doing that before I got this microphone. You are here. And so, Lord God, I just pray that for every person in this place, everybody that's made the effort, if you like, to get up and get themselves to church and get the family to church or whatever, Lord, I pray that you would speak powerfully this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last year, um, our family went on holidays. We try and, you know, go away on holidays if we can most years. We try and do it. But last year we went away on holidays and we, before we went, I had a bit of extra time, you know, because I took a bit of extra leave last year. So, boys, let's do something special. Where do you want to go? You know, where do you want to go in the country? Would you like to go to the, to, um, would you like to go up north to the Northern Territory? We went up there a few years ago and visited Leah's brother. Or would you like to go, you know, up through the centre of, of Queensland and visit Longreach and, um, you know, uh, all those places that you can visit if you go to Longreach, about three of them. <laughs> Longreach, and we could go to Winton, and we could see the dinosaurs, and we could go to the oh, Stockman's Hall of Fame. Oh, I wanted to do that. I wanted like an educational tour. Um, or we could go to the snow, or we could actually we could do an educational tour of Surat, go to the Cobb and Co Museum for holidays. They didn't choose that one. Um, the boys chose the snow. And I was pretty stoked because I'd never even seen snow, let alone sort of stayed at the snow, let alone ever had, you know, skis strapped on or whatever. So they're like, let's, can we go to the snow? I was like, brilliant, let's go to the snow. So we did this like southern tour and, and uh, went to Melbourne as well and whatever. But, but so we're going to the snow. So what do you do when you go to the snow? Yeah, we're going to stay there. We've never been there, so we're going to stay there for a few days. So we, we booked, and, and look, I use this term very loosely, but we, we booked a ski lodge, you know, like with all the rooms and stuff. It wasn't just us, and I, and I do use the term loosely. Um, now, I'd been to, I mean, 
mean, I'd watched James Bond movies. I'd heard of Aspen. I've seen photos. I knew what to expect when we turned up to this ski lodge. Have you ever had one of those experiences that's not quite like the brochure experience? Have you ever had that? This wasn't that. We had the wrong brochure entirely. This, this was a whole different experience. Maybe you've never been to the show, but maybe you've had this experience. Maybe you've bought a tent, and it says on the packet on the outside, it says sleeps three, right? Now, now I've learned over time that what it means when it says sleep three, that means three primary school students who have just been starved on school camp, um, maybe fed by an SAS operative or something and eaten snails for four weeks. They're the three people that'll fit in that tent, right? So we had a room that sleeps five, which, um, which it did, you know, in, in, you know, all justice to the people who, who, who marketed that to us. It did sleep five. There was just no room to put your bag, no room to put your feet, no room to put any items that you bought with you. They should have just done one mattress just on the floor. That would have, would have been it. There wasn't even anywhere to eat food. So if you didn't like crumbs in your bed or something, you're in trouble. Right? Are you getting the experience of Ski Lodge? that I experienced. In fact, one of the staff, so it wasn't just that, one of the staff told me that there'd been no maintenance done at this particular lodge inside. They'd sort of started working on the outside to make sure the snow didn't come in through the roof. But nothing had been done inside as maintenance this century. All right, that's tr- that is a true story. But then I was talking to another, and I was actually talking to the manager, and I thought, well, how does this person, the staff member who told me that, how do they know that? Because... Neither the manager nor any of the staff had ever been employed by any ski lodge on the planet prior to six weeks before my arrival. Can you imagine the chaos? It was a mission. I had a nappy that I just wanted to put in a bin. Just wanted to put my nappy in the bin. This is not a big deal. It wasn't, it wasn't my nappy, no. Um, <laughs> it was a nappy. I'm not sure how that came out the first time. It was a nap- that was a mission. Okay, that was like a big deal. In fact, it got so comical staying at our ski lodge, which I refuse to name. Um, it got so comical. It was only day two, and I said, boys, said to my boys, I said, start looking out for TV cameras, like hidden cameras all around the lodge. Because I was convinced we were on a reality TV show. I was like, no one would do this on purpose. No, this is not an accident. Like, it got to a point where this has to be purposeful. And then, so this is what we're thinking. It's a reality TV show. And then I kid you not, you cannot make this stuff up. We find out, or the boys recognise, and I eventually asked a couple of days into our stay there, the boys recognised the manager as somebody who'd been on Lego Masters. So when this is true, and I asked him, he's like, yes, I was on Lego. And so it, it's definitely a TV show, right? So it was just crazy. Um, we, were, we were at the Ski Lodge of Lunacy. <laughs> and it was crazy. And just that, they're just, this, I'll, I'll be bringing more stories out from our, from our stay at the Ski Lodge of Lunacy throughout the year, possibly. But here's my thought. When I said Ski Lodge in the protection of my own house, like a couple of thousand kilometers away, it was a completely different thing to Ski Lodge where we're about to go and stay, right? So I wonder with the revival, if it's a bit like that with God, they're like, yeah, they're saying a revival, they're singing their revival, they're singing God pour your spirit out or whatever, but do they really know what they're saying? And this year we've been talking about God's spirit being poured out, as Matt Well said earlier. So, so here's the thought. Peter talked, and this is what we've based that on, if, you, if you've been away for a bit. We base the fact that God is pouring his spirit out by the fact that the apostle Peter said that. He said, God is now pouring his spirit out 
on everyone. So Peter was experiencing that. He said, this is what's happening. So I want to have a look just a little bit further on in the story from when Peter says that, because if God was pouring his spirit out, what was it like? What, what was happening? And he's doing it today. But what did it look like to them? So just throw the verses up for me, gentlemen, up the back. Acts 2, 41 to 43, we're going to read. This is just a bit further along, like it's the same chapter. It's only a few verses down from what we've been looking at over the last few weeks. So those who believe what Peter said, which was what I was just talking about, by the way, um, were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. We'll just read straight through this. All, yeah, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, these four things here, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, and to prayer. And verse 43, as a, and then a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I'm just going to read it to you from the message. I think they may have that as well, but in the message it says this, that day about 3,000 took him at his word. Well, that's interesting. Um, were baptized and were signed up. You've got to love how the, the message puts things. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles. They committed themselves to this. The teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. And I was talking about this in my life group because I was sort of journaling through Acts because we're preaching from Acts. And in our life groups, we do we journal the Bible. And we ask the Bible to speak to us, really. That's what we do in our small groups. And uh, I was journaling this, and this is where I, I was seeing this whole idea of revival in there. And I, was, and I was relating the passage we just read a minute ago to revival. And someone in my small group rightly said, but Shane, that's not really revival. Like I was connecting this, and I said, that's not really revival. And here's the thing, that's 100% the point. They were correct. It's not really revival because here's the thing. When we say revival, this isn't a message necessarily on revival. We're just going to stick with the story for me. When, when um, the word revival, when we use the word revival, what does the word revival mean? Where does it come from? Well, the word revival comes from the word revive, right? That's where it comes from. It makes sense. You don't have to be like a, a scholar in the English language to work that out. The word comes from revival. So what does the word, sorry, from revive. What does the word revive mean? Well, the word revive means this, restore something to its original or correct, correct condition. That would be one way of talking about revive. Essentially, the word revive means this, bring back. Bring back to how it should be. So here's the thought. When we're singing, Lord, send revival, we're singing, Lord, send something and bring us back to where we should be. That's what the word revival means. It's not nothing other airy-fairy or something you saw on YouTube. The word revival means bring us back to where we should be. So where should we be? Is that a good question? I think it's a great question. So um, when we're actually praying, Lord, bring revival, we're actually saying God, God restore us to our correct condition. So what does the correct condition look like? Well, what did the people, this will be the question, what did, the, what did it look like originally what did it look like when Peter said, God's pouring out his spirit? What did it look like when 3,000 people came to the Lord in a single day? What did that look like? Throw up my slide, please. This is what it looked like. So this is, no, no, the slide. Original Christian. So the original Christian. This is what the, if you've ever wondered, what did the original Christian look like? This is what the original Christian looked like. And we just read it in the book of Acts. Applied teaching, they applied the teaching. It said they devoted themselves. They applied the teaching. They didn't just hear the teaching. That kind of doesn't change anything, does it? It just means you know stuff. No, they applied teaching. They gathered together 
it was a priority to gather. Then they ate together meals, and, and you, you would assume, and I could be just putting a bit too much license on this, but we assume when they, it says they ate together, and generally speaking, quite often this would have they had the Lord's Supper, but this could have also been, I assume, in little small groups. Because they have the big gathering and they're eating together, sharing in meals. And number four, this was actually mentioned earlier in the service, they prayed. These are the four things they did. Everything else is peripheral. Everything else is, is not necessarily essential. They applied the teaching, they gathered, they ate and they prayed. That is what an original Christian looks like. And when I saw that, this is what it made me think. So if this is, if this is, if if revival gets us to here, because this is a church in in you know get from everything I said, you understand this doesn't make any sense. But this is a church in revival, okay? <laughs> but they just didn't need reviving yet. This is what they did. Now look at that list. Just everybody have a look at that list. What struck out to me is maybe maybe what it's sticking out to you that there's nothing in that list that's onerous. There's nothing in that list that's difficult. There's nothing in that list that requires you to have a theology degree. There's nothing in that list that requires you to have a university education. In fact, you could execute that without an iPhone, which, which means most of the other things we do today is difficult, obviously, without a phone. But you can do that without a smartphone. Here's, and here's a thought for you. Where did I put my phone? Can I have my phone? Is that my phone? It's actually probably up on the platform. I'm going to get it because I got a text this week. Uh, from a good friend of mine, and I want to read you part of that text, which is, it's really right here. They just sent this to me. Um, they just sent this. Where is it? I'm going to read you a text I got just this week after I'd sort of written this message. Here it is. I'm going to read you part of it. It's a personal text. So I'm going to read part. Here it says this. You don't need context. Actually, I'll give you some context. So what happened here? Is this good friend of mine sent me this text, but but what had just happened is that this is a person who sort of runs their own large business, right, out, out west, and they had just been away sort of further east and preaching in a church, maybe even double the size of this church. They never preached um, outside of their their home church before, which was smaller than this church. They'd never, um, you know, sort of done the preaching circuit, never been to Bible college, never, 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 okay? You with me? Now listen to this. Good, thanks, Shane. Learning and growing all the time. Great response. So this is, and he's he's talking about this service on the weekend. This is just last weekend. Um, Great response for prayer after the service. He can use anybody, it seems, talking of Jesus. He can use anybody, it seems, if we just say yes. I got that during the week. Isn't that this, that slide I had up? Anybody can apply teaching. Anybody can be here on a Sunday morning. Anybody can share a meal with someone and anybody can pray. And this, this young fella, he was off preaching some massive church over at the coast. See, revival is just grasping these simple truths. For us to be revived, we just need to grasp. It's in the grasp of everybody in the room. I'll say this to you this morning. I'm talking to you. Your personal revival is four steps away. Your personal revival is four steps away. Throw the slide up for me again. Applied teaching, gathering together, sharing in meals, and prayer. 
Here's the problem. You think, oh, it couldn't be that easy. That's why you don't do it. What would it look like if everybody did that? What would it look like if everybody in your world, you did it, you know, everybody around you did it, every, what would it look like if everyone always, always is a big deal, applied teaching, gathered together, shared a meal with someone and prayed. Everybody you know did that. Do you want to know what that would look like? You're like, wow, I wonder what that would look like. I wonder what that would look like. Throw up verse 43 for me. Again, you guys are making your work hard up the back this morning. This is what it would look like. A deep sense of awe. Imagine, imagine actually applying the truth and spending time with God in his presence. A deep sense of awe would come over you. And people would have performed miraculous signs and wonders. The thing is, they just gathered together. They just read the word of God. They applied it. And then the outcome is what we're thinking when we sing. Lord, send revival. Hey, that's the act. That's what it looks like. Simple, isn't it? The title of this morning's message is, and don't panic, I'm almost done. <laughs> uh, people laughing, the people here every week, and they're like, he, he, we're laughing because he's not almost done. There. The title of this morning's message is, Me Revival. Me Revival. Don't ask God to revive somebody else. That's none of your business. Me, revival. Look, I would guess there'd be nobody in this room that couldn't use a miracle, like right now, today. If, if you think, oh, I don't really need a miracle, you're not thinking hard enough. <laughs> you're not engaged in your own life. You're spending too long on, you know, on the phone if you, can't, if you don't need a miracle. You're, you're disengaged with life. And maybe you're doing that on purpose because you do need a miracle, right? Everyone needs a miracle somewhere. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's something happening in your workplace. Maybe relationships around you. Maybe it's something at school that's happening. Maybe, like me, you just need a miracle in your personal disciplines. Hey? We all need God to move on us. And if I do touch something in this passage this morning, we're going to be looking at this well, um, over the next few weeks when, I, when I'm preaching. We're going to be looking a little bit deeper into this verse. But this morning I want to talk about this devoted themselves. Devoted themselves. So it wasn't just there's these people and they, they, you know, every now and again they applied the Word of God or when they thought of it they prayed. No, 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 no. Don't misunderstand me this morning. These are people that devoted themselves. To, these, to those four things. They devoted themselves. So, so let's not keep wondering why we're making dumb decisions if we aren't devoted to and disciplined to gathering in church. Like, let's not, let's not, oh, why do I keep, but you're not devoted to it. Let's not keep wondering why our finances are all over the place if we aren't devoted and disciplined in honouring God with things like the tithe and being generous Let's, let's not keep wondering why our relationships are a disaster or, or are frustrating us if we're looking for Mr. and Mrs. Wright or Mrs. Wright in the pub. Come on. God isn't going to honour that stuff. Anywhere, you know, you need a miracle. God honours obedience. It's very clear in the Word of God. If we devote ourselves to do the things that God said, that's what unlocks the miracle, the miraculous in our life. Because here's the thing. If you think, oh, you know, God's going to crush us with rocks if we don't do what He says. No, He's not. Where did you get that rubbish from? 
And here's a thought for you why he doesn't need to. He doesn't want to either. He's not going to, when we don't do, catch this, please. A lot of people misunderstand. Please, if you haven't listened to a word I've said, listen to this, because most people have this wrong. When we don't apply God's teaching, when we don't apply the word of God, God isn't going to oppose you. He's not going to punish you for that in this life. Because here's why. You are already doing that to yourself. Think about it. By missing out on what God has for you. Every time you, choose, you think you know better than God, you just punished yourself. Anytime you make a decision on what parts of the Bible you're going you're to gravitate towards, you just punished yourself. So I remember someone said, I didn't actually understand what he was talking about, but I remember someone saying to me once, Shane, you catch this, sin has a bigger stick. Sin, you, know, you write notes, write that down. Sin has a bigger stick. What he meant was, and I was like, what do you even mean by a bigger stick? I don't know. I didn't obviously get belted enough with a stick as a kid because what he was trying to say is, you know, you follow the word of God, Shane. You know, there's things that are challenging. Following the otherwise, we'd just be doing it all the time, right? Correct. There's things that are challenging. But when we don't follow what God has for us, that's when we really get assaulted. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think everyone's smarter than me. I think you got that. Throw this next slide up for me. Cutting miraculous. Here's, here's something to think about. When we decide not to apply God's word to an area of our life, we cut ourselves off from the miraculous. God's not going to miraculously come into your finances if you're not obedient with your finances. God's not going to find that special someone for you if you're not doing relationships God's way, right? I just think that's common sense, yet we still think we know better than God, right? Remember that. Anytime we don't apply God's word to an area of our life, we cut ourselves off from the miraculous in that area of our life. It's just, in fact, it's just common sense. But sometimes we forget about it. The first Christians, however, the original Christians, why was stuff pumping for them? Because they devoted themselves to applying teaching. They devoted themselves to getting to services. They devoted themselves to meeting in small groups. They devoted themselves to prayer. Devoted themselves. Devoted themselves. They prioritized Jesus and Jesus turned up. If you've misunderstood everything else I said, that's pretty basic. They prioritise Jesus and Jesus turns up. So let's not keep wondering where all the power is. Where's the power in our faith? I just told you, there's four ways to start seeing power in your life. Apply teaching. Get to where the action is. You know, uh, connect with other people. Round meals and stuff, it says. Luke 6, and I'll, I'll try and race through this. Luke 6 records some of my favorite words of Jesus. In fact, I think I spent a whole year in this little passage about four years ago. Some of my favorite words of Jesus, because I believe it sums up most of us, and I put myself in that category, most of the time. Luke chapter 6, let's throw it up there. I'm pretty sure we got it. I love this. This is Jesus speaking, Jesus himself. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Obviously, they knew what he said and didn't apply it. They weren't devoted to it. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, which is only half the story, and then follows it. Verse 48. And it is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. And when the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears... So that's all of us this morning. We're all in that category at the moment. We're all hearing, right? Everybody this morning has heard. 
But if you choose to not obey, it's like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Now that is Jesus himself talking about what I just said. Just like, I'm not going to punish you. Life's going to punish you. Life will be the thing that gets you. But if you put your, if you apply the things that I'm saying, when life attacks you, you'll be fine. Do you like that? I love that. That's one of my favorite parts of the Bible. If that was too complicated, here, how about this one? If the Bible promotes it, the Bible says, this is a good idea, I'm in. If the Bible warns us about it, it says, I'm not so sure about that one. I'm out. That's what devoting yourself to the apostles' teaching looks like. Anything less is not devoted. Anything less is, there's a whole heap of scriptures, you know, in the Word we could, I could quote now, but I'm just for the sake of time, I won't do that. But there's a whole heap of stuff about hearing the Word and going, you know what, if that's what we're supposed to do, I'm just going to do it. I'll find out if it's true. I'll apply it now and I'll find out if it's true later. Because you will. Devoting ourselves. I reckon if we're honest this morning, if we're honest, and you know, we're only honest some of the time, but if we're honest, I would suggest, it's a guess I have, but I would suggest that maybe all of us could do with a little bit of me revival. What do you reckon? Do you reckon we could all do with a little bit of maybe tweak your prayer life? I was going to say a little bit, but maybe a lot. Do you reckon we could all do with that? I reckon we could. Because I reckon that revival where God moves, and we talked about this at the start of the message, where God moves, and many people connect to Jesus. Because that's my goal. That's my, that's my heart's cry. I think it's only four steps away. I think seeing people come into God's house and connecting to Jesus and having their whole life here and in eternity transformed is only four steps away. That's what I read in the Bible. It just requires a little bit of a tweak. So, so we're going to be singing that song a little bit, but when we pray, maybe instead of Lord, send us revival, or maybe when we're singing the song, Lord, send revival, maybe, maybe we're thinking this, Lord, revive me. Lord, send revival. What if we were thinking, God, revive me. I need your revival. I need to be revived. But then you could pray this, as you revive me, let me bring your revival. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be really cool. Would you stand with me this morning? Revive me. Revive me. Revive me. Revive me. So good. You guys have been patient. The worship team's going to come to the platform. We're going to, see, we're going to finish with a song this morning. But I, I said at the start of this message, I, I was talking about the guy, his name was Corey, actually, his pastor that I ran into a couple of weeks ago. And he was sharing the stuff and he was talking about God moving, you know, in their church. And some people want to know, you know, is it revival? Corey and Corey's like, I don't, know, I don't know. What is revival? I didn't want to put any badge on it or say anything too much about it. But I was fortunate enough to be there and, and this move of God had broken out and people were hungry for God's presence and pe people were coming back to their actual love of Jesus, not just turning up to church, they're falling in love with Jesus again and I don't know. Is that revival? I don't know. But I can tell you what, as he told the story of their church, this is what I heard. I'm going to share this, then we're going to pray. This is what I heard as he told the story of what was happening. 
People were cleaning up their lives. I'd heard all this before, by the way. Other, then I heard other people speaking about where God was moving in their churches. So I was like, yeah, I recognize the pattern. Do you want to see a pattern? People were cleaning their lives up like never before. People were removing sin from their lives. Like never, they'd, like they'd never seen. It's a very successful church in Melbourne. That's devoted to teaching, isn't it? When they go, hey, wait a minute. There's stuff I'm doing that God wouldn't be proud of. And devo- sorry, and devoted to services. And, and then there was a hunger to gather. They were just gathering everywhere all over the place. And that was being devoted to fellowship. But mostly, as he described it, and I was like, I recognize that. But mostly, if you talk about the four items I mentioned to you this morning, there was a hunger for prayer. There was a real hunger. And to be honest, as he told the story, that's what happened. There's just a group of them thought, you know what? We just, we just should pray more. We just got to get together more and pray and pray. And then eventually what happened, after a couple of years it was. You know, all revivals have that in common. It's prayer. It's a group of people. It doesn't have to be the whole church. It's just a few people go, you know what? We're going to be committed to pray, to pray. And as that guy was leaving, just as he was leaving, I was like, I need a bit of me revival. I need a bit of me revival. So I went and I asked him to pray for me. I said, mate, can you pray for me? Can you pray that God's presence will be on my life? Can you, can you pray that, that, um, that God will revive me? I'm going to give you guys that opportunity as well this morning. And we're going to, we're going to finish with a song. But if, 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 if there's anything in this message and you're just like, oh, I, I want someone to believe with me that God will revive me. God will start to touch me. I'll start to see the miraculous just in everyday life. I say that and people are thinking all weird stuff when I use the word miraculous. I'm just talking about your life like when you're at school. That's where the miraculous is real. Just in your life, in your everyday, where it becomes normal to see God do crazy stuff in you and through you. That's what, when I, if, just as a, as a bit of a thing. So if I remember I'm talking about the miraculous, that's what I'm talking about. God doing crazy stuff in every area of your life, healing relationships, doing amazing stuff with your finances, sorting stuff out in your education and work and all. That's the miraculous. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. If you would like someone to believe with you at the end of the service, why wouldn't you come forward? Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your presence in this house. I thank you, thank you for your word to our hearts. I thank you that uh, there is nothing that really deep and meaningful that we need to know. <laughs> it's not a complicated deal. All you're requiring of, of us is us, how we come. And that's a level playing field. And Lord, I thank you that you designed it that way. It's not an elitist thing. It's not this person's chosen over that. But it's none of that. It's just who may ever say yes to you. And Lord God, this morning, if there's people in this congregation who've never said yes, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I just just come into that space. Uh, Leah was talking about being born again, if you've never been born again. Look, if you've never been born again, and you're like, "If, if even half of what that guy said this morning is true, I need that. Be one of the people that come forward. God bless you. Lord, God bless you. God bless you. Lord God, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you for everything that you've said. I pray that you'll give us the grace to do the things that we know we're called to do. In Jesus' name, amen.